It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It is Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Matt Jones, Amber Wilson. We are filling in 888-SAY-ESPN. And it is named Canty and Carlin, although because they're so popular that they get asked to do every other show, you don't often get Canty and Carlin here, at least during the summer. So we have to have Chris Canty on now with us. Chris, great to have you. So I'll start with this. You watched probably a lot of preseason. You watched probably a lot of games. Of all the things you saw, what do you think was most important, or was none of it important at all? No, I thought what we saw from Trey Lance in his brief preseason outing spoke volumes about the potential that that San Francisco 49ers offense and that team has in 2022. I mean, the deep ball that he threw to Danny Gray for the 76-yard touchdown, that's an element that San Francisco and Kyle Shanahan haven't had in their offense with Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback. We haven't seen a lot of explosive plays in the vertical passing game. A lot of their passing game was predicated on crossing routes, smokes, you know, catch-and-run opportunities for their receivers. But now with Trey Lance, with the big arm, you're talking about a completely new element to that offense. And I'm excited to see Kyle Shanahan's creativity with a guy like Trey Lance under center for him. So Trey Lance was part of the good coming off of preseason week one. Uh, Your former team in the Dallas Cowboys was part of the bad. 17 penalties, 129 yards. I mean, maybe Canty not a big deal typically in preseason game one, but it feels like a big deal with Mike McCarthy at the helm. What'd you make of that? No, it is a big deal because you're talking about them leading the league in penalties last year, and no offense had more accepted penalties than the Dallas Cowboys in 2021 and so we're looking at the preseason as you know a prelude to what's going to happen with this team this upcoming year and it's more of the same and amber matt one of the things that we've seen in in the nfl is you know you typically don't see you know teams change their character as far as penalties are concerned unless they change their head coach mike mccarthy comes back it's a team that lacked discipline last year i'm not sure that we can expect anything to be any different even though the head coach is saying it's a priority. Let me ask you about that, because I I do think I hear that a lot about coaches. You know better than I do. So, you know, like fumbles, there's this belief that statistically recovering fumbles is kind of random. I sort of had always thought that with penalties, it's not random, but that a little bit of it's what what gets seen, what does the referee notice. If there is a culture of penalties – who do you blame it on and why? Like, if it's Mike McCarthy's fault, why does that lead to more penalties on the field for people like me that didn't play? Well, I mean, here's the thing. I think the penalties are an indicator or a reflection of the attitude and the discipline that's being instilled in the players throughout practice, right? Either you're coaching it or you're letting it happen. That's what Bill Parcells used to always say about what goes on the film after games on Sunday. It's like either I'm coaching it this way or I'm letting it happen. Either way, it's my fault. When it comes to the Dallas Cowboys, the lack of accountability when it comes to the penalties on the players is ultimately on the head coach. Now, you know, the organization, the front office, they can get different players, but if you start to continue to see the same trend, 
then you have to look at the head coach and say, okay, you're the one that's responsible for a team that's one of the most penalized, if not the most penalized in the National Football League. Chris Canty, co-host of the show, Canty and Carlin, joining us here on Canty and Carlin, Amber Wilson and Matt Jones filling in for the guys. So, Canty, remember that old TV show, Kids Say the Darndest Things? Maybe we should make a new TV show where Michael Irvin says the darndest things because he said that this Dallas Cowboys team, if they just cleaned up those penalties, they would be competing with the 72 Dolphins, which, of course, is the only team in NFL history with a perfect record. What do you make of Irvin's comments? Well, if was a fifth, we'd all be drunk, right? I mean, I know Matt's familiar with that, with that Kentucky brown water. But <laughs> That's exactly I'm right. Saying is, all I'm simply saying is the Dallas Cowboys have an opportunity with this core of players to compete at a really high level, but they keep getting in their own way with the self-inflicted wounds, the penalties. Uh, of course, now we've had some cap casualties with some guys this offseason. But then the other part is the management in-game, right, in-the-game situations and to have special situations that come up within the game, third down red zone. Those haven't been areas that the Dallas Cowboys have thrived. Now you point to coaching, but you also point to some of their players not stepping up and not being forced multipliers in those moments. And Dak Prescott is front and center with that. So I hear what Michael Irvin is saying, and he's not wrong when it comes to the potential of the Dallas Cowboys. But we've been talking about this team's potential for several years now, and I hate to keep going back to what Coach Bill Parcells used to always teach us, but the thing he said about potential means you just haven't done it yet. And, and so that's what we keep waiting for with the Dallas Cowboys. It's a team that we all think has the potential to compete at a championship level, but they haven't done it yet. And so that's what we're waiting to see, whether or not they can get over that hump. But it feels like with this core of players, they're starting to run out of time. All right, Chris, you and Michael Irvin both know more football, forgotten more football than I could ever know. But I want to just be clear. I agree with what you said about if, but Michael Irvin didn't just say that. He said if they didn't have penalties, they could go undefeated and be one of the historical great teams of all time. That is ludicrous, isn't it? I mean, I know they'd be better. Maybe they could even contend for a Super Bowl. But that level of hyperbole is ridiculous, Hell right? No. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think the playmaker was just decided that he was back on the show with Stephen A. Smith and they were doing the show from the Hudson River. I, I guess that's what it had to do. I, okay. He's out of pocket for that one. I, I don't think the Dallas Cowboys are going to go undefeated. I do think the Dallas Cowboys are in the middle of an identity shift because in the Dak Prescott, Zeke Elliott era of Cowboys football, it's been a team that's been driven by their offense. I think that's going to dramatically change this year. Their offense is, it kind of gave us, it gave us a little bit of insight into how they want to play in their preseason debut against the Denver Broncos, right? We saw a lot of two tight end looks. And for those, um, that don't know, that's 12 personnel. And they're going to feature a lot of that because they lost some firepower in their skill position court. No Amari Cooper, no Cedric Wilson, Ezekiel Elliott seemingly being on the downside of things. And not to mention you lose Lyle Collins and Connor Williams up front. So, Having two tight ends on the field, being multiple in that way, being more versatile, having more big bodies at the line of scrimmage, the point of attack. I think the Cowboys offense is going to be more run-oriented, and that complements what I believe the strength of the team is, which is the defensive side of the ball. The best player on the Dallas Cowboys is not Dak Prescott, contrary to popular belief. It's Michael Parsons. And right. if the Cowboys are going to compete at a championship level, they're going to have to be led by their defense. And that's that's not something we've seen from the Cowboys in a really long time. 
Chris Canty, he's the co-host of this show right here. I tell you what, I filled in so much for you recently. I'm going to send you some of that Kentucky brown water to thank you for giving me this microphone, and I hope you enjoy it. I'll send you a good one that people out in the country don't oh, really know oh, let about. Me, let, let me get some Elmer T. Lee. If you can find some Elmer T. Lee, I'm going to yes. Dude, I got Elmer T. Lee at the store right outside my house. I'm going to go do it for you tonight, Chris, okay? There we go. There we go. There all we right, go. Matt, Appreciate you all. There you go. Candy and Carl is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Now, Deshaun Watson got back on the field. But right before he did, he put out a little sort of interview, and he seemed like he was trying to change his tune. Does it matter? Or was that statement just a way to throw a Friday afternoon news dump? That'll be next, plus his performance on the field here on Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. It is Canty Garland here on ESPN Radio. She is Amber Wilson. I am Matt Jones. We are, of course, presented by Progressive Insurance, and we are excited to be with you today. We Amber and I have been hosting about once a week together, and I feel like we both are uh, former lawyers. I don't know. Is there anyone else on ESPN that's former attorneys except you and I? There's a lot of them in the sports field, but I don't know if there's another one on ESPN. Not on ESPN radio. I mean, there's people. I think Jay Billis is an attorney. That's there's, right. There's Jay's people. A- Ryan Smith is an attorney, or he might be a former attorney. Uh, so there are some across our network. Yeah, we're the we're the ESPN radio lawyers. That's right. Jay uh, Billis was a fellow Duke law grad back in the day. There People don't go. realize that he was an assistant coach at Duke and a lawyer at the same time. That had to be a heck of a. I think he's a still. A, I think he is still a partner he's, at a law firm. He is, and a good one too in yeah. Charlotte. Uh, I bet he he's the celebrity. But nevertheless, that we're getting off track here. But that's my fault. <laughs> uh, the Cleveland Browns they played Friday night. Sean Watson went one for five for like what seven yards or something, and that was. Uh, one of the stories, but it probably wasn't the main story because for the first time he spoke publicly about the allegations against him in a conversation with News Five Cleveland. Here were a little. Here was a little bit of what he said that was released two hours before the game. 
Look, I want to say that I'm truly sorry to all the women that I've impacted in this situation. Um, my des decisions that I made in my life that put me in this position, um, you know, I, w I would definitely like to have back. But I want to continue to move forward and grow and learn and, and show that, you know, I am a, a true person of, of character and I want to keep pushing forward. So, you know, there's a couple different ways to look at this. He was going to have to make a statement at some point. He made it at a time where it could probably get the least scrutiny. It was on a Friday afternoon, two hours before they were actually going to play, so he knew the game to some extent would provide a distraction. And it was with a local news station that presumably is probably, if not supportive, at least not overtly antagonistic with him and the Browns. So, I, Amber, I'm, I'm kind of curious. When you heard this statement and, this, and what he said about sort of being sorry, et cetera, what was your thought? I mean, my initial thought was was kind of like blah 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 blah, right? And and honestly, there's nothing that Deshaun Watson could have said. And I guess, in fairness, so to speak, to Watson's camp, this idea that people had that Watson's going to come out and give us a legitimate apology where he takes ownership of the things he did, I think, was so overstated. Because how could he possibly do that, Matt? I mean, you and I know this as lawyers. Like he's defending himself still in a pending civil action. There were potentially criminal criminal ramifications to this. The idea that he's going to go out on public record and admit to all these things, take ownership of them, and issue some really heartfelt apology in that way, I honestly thought was an expectation of the public that was just wholly unrealistic and I'm sure would cut against any of the legal vice that he was receiving. Also, by the way, an active appeal from the NFL appealing his suspension. Another reason that Deshaun Watson's probably not going to actually come out and admit to any of these things. And yet any apology where you're not actually admitting to what you did wrong feels really hollow. And that's where I get the blah, 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 blah reaction. So I didn't need any of this. I, I think that this idea that we need some sort of hollow apology. No, we need apologies that are legitimate. And we need people not to just tell us they're sorry, but actually show us they're sorry. Do the work. Better yourself. Invest in the community. Do things to right your wrongs. You know, try to make your alleged victims whole if you admit to doing these things. But Deshaun Watson has very squarely denied any of these actions since the inception of these civil lawsuits against him. He's done it all the way through. So he's going to continue to do it because he is defending himself and so it's just going to amount to a whole lot of nothing in terms of an apology Matt and honestly to me it's nonsense I just don't need I don't even need to hear the hollow apology it does absolutely nothing for me yeah I actually think that's a really good analysis I mean the, the reality is this is the issue that public figures who both have to defend themselves in a court of law and also care about PR are always going to run into Right. Like, because if you you have a natural tendency, if you are a public figure to want to make things better in public, you want to make your your sort of reputation or, or, or the belief in you a certain way. But sometimes and sometimes the best way to, to, to do it is to take full ownership and apologize and say, you know what? I really screwed up. The problem, though, is when you're then dealing with something that may be illegal, because even if you want to do that. You kind of can't because you might be opening your, like those criminal charges, you know, they decide not to charge him, but they still Doesn't could. Doesn't mean they can't. The, yes, I, mean, I they, think they, people they, get confused about they that. They still can. I mean, they could open that again. And right. if they heard him give a public statement admitting to it, mm -hmm. I think there's a very good chance they would open those charges again against him. So I don't really know. 
I, I think you hit it exactly. Like, in some ways, there's not anything he can say that is going to help. At the same time, from a PR perspective, he can't not say anything. Because if he doesn't, he will get asked about it over and over and over. So this was a way, I think, to try to say something. Is it meaningful? No, it's not. And if you don't believe it's not meaningful, go look at the crowd in Jacksonville. Do you think that crowd in Jacksonville who was chanting stuff at him were like, well, you know what? We were, we're going to chant something, but you know, he actually took partial ownership in a statement. Like this is what he's going to face certainly this year. And Amber, I think there's a chance he faces it from now on. I mean, I think this is going to be one of those things that follows him. He sort of didn't get his comeuppance to, I think, a lot of people in, the, in what happened to him. And I just think this is going to be Deshaun Watson's existence. And the question is, can he overcome that to play? And the question is, are people going to ever sort of look at him the same? And uh, the answer to the first question, I don't know. But to the second question, Amber, I think this will be – it's the equivalent of the sort of Bill – the obituary part, which is when you die, what's going to be the first thing in your obituary, right? Well – Deshaun Watson, this is the first thing people are going to say about him for quite some time. Uh, probably forever, honestly. Uh, I think that this is going to be a defining portion of the Deshaun Watson story, and it should be because of what he's accused of. Absolutely, and, and with how many women have accused him of these things, although it shouldn't take dozens of women, but we know the reality of how these things work, and this is a story that is going to, f- to follow Deshaun Watson his entire career. Now, will this over the years, if there's winning on the football field, some people think the story eases, and maybe that there is some reality to well, that. Well, it has done that if you think about part it. Of the story. Kobe Bryant? I mean, Kobe Bryant's the most perfect example. Well, that was a very different era. I mean, Kobe Bryant, Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, very different. I mean, man, when you go back and read some of those allegations, I mean, it'd look a lot different, I think, in 2000, or at least you'd you'd like to think maybe it looks different in 2022 with the coverage of those things. So I think that might be part of the story. You are right. Kobe is an interesting one. Uh, These players did end up being celebrated. It's hard to imagine that with Deshaun Watts, like the story ever wholly goes away because it does feel like the story is so much part of whatever he ends up doing here uh, with his tenure with the Browns. It's forever linked. I just think that, Sometimes defending yourself in the court of public opinion and in a real court are at odds with one another. And I've always thought this is there's this unrealistic expectation of Deshaun Watson coming out publicly and taking ownership of something that he's defending himself simultaneously in court over. But even if he did, Matt, I honestly I mean, I doubt that changes anything. I don't know if there's anything Deshaun Watson could do right now in this moment in terms of things he says that would, frankly, alleviate the situation. Now, you're probably right. And it may be the case that social media takes a difference in like a difference in degree to a difference in kind, because people that's not the lead of, of Kobe Bryant's biography. Right. It's part of it, but it's not the lead. And it's and and I think the same thing will be true about Ben Roethlisberger. Ray Lewis is another example of someone that things just kind of people don't talk about anymore. I don't know that that's going to happen with Deshaun Watson because the social media era may actually be a completely different time thing so that it becomes a completely different situation. Now, we're going to continue to wait for a decision on the NFL's appeal of Deshaun Watson's six-game suspension. Some people thought that was going to happen today. At least it hasn't yet. But that's not the only big quarterback story we're waiting on. We'll tell you about another one that's going to be key for a franchise. That's next right here on ESPN Radio. 
Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. I feel like I could listen to the guy that does the disclaimer for FanDuel. Like, I feel like I could listen to him just read things to me because it sounds so serious and important when he does it. I mean, I, I think I, I he just, has an advantage of a sped up tape, though. Possibly, I know, but he just right? sounds like a guy who, if he's saying something, I better listen to it. I better not do FanDuel from a parish in Louisiana that doesn't allow it because he has said that I cannot do that. It's Candy and Carlin. <laughs> She's Amber Wilson. I'm Matt Jones, only betting in the legal parishes. And I'm going to have to figure out if I'm going to bet on the Ravens because. They got this situation with Lamar Jackson. Now, look, I'm a Kentucky guy. He's a Louisville guy. On paper, I shouldn't like him, but I love the guy. I think he's one of the most fun players to watch in the entire league. But he doesn't have a contract extension yet at a time most quarterbacks of his pedigree do. And he's representing himself as an agent, something that I think is a huge mistake. But, hey, it's his life. He can do what he wants. So the question is, he now says he's shutting down the negotiations during the season to focus. You know, Amber, that's nice, but he's also a guy who's at a position where the way he plays, he could be injured at any moment. Do you think this is a good decision? Do you think it's a distraction? Or do you think Lamar is making a mistake? I think at some point he's got to get a deal done, but what do I know, right? I think that he should have gotten a deal done a long time ago, and yet... The price tag on his deal keeps going up and up and up with every new quarterback who signs a deal and that market continues to get reset. It has helped him up to this point that he hasn't yet signed a deal. But at some point here, if I'm Lamar, I'm not getting on a football field and risking injury without a deal in place. Now, this is the first time we've heard Lamar Jackson actually give any sort of deadline where he's saying, well, it has to happen before the regular season starts. But he didn't say I'm not getting out there if I don't get a deal before the regular season starts. He just said, I'm not going to continue you having these contract discussions once the regular season is here. So they've got something like a month, roughly, to get a deal done. But then what does it mean? Then that just means they stop talking. He goes out there and plays football for them on $23 million, and the Ravens get what they want anyways. Now, at some point here, when we get towards March, the Ravens would have to consider using the franchise tag on him, which is presumably what they do. They don't have to get a deal done. And Maybe you just franchise him and maybe this just drags on for years like you heard Jeremy Fowler say in the rejoin, but it's hard to imagine with a quarterback of his caliber when we've seen all these other guys get paid, Matt, 
that something wouldn't get done. And frankly, it's so quiet because Lamar doesn't have an agent. We're not getting the typical leaks, I think, to the media that sometimes agents do in order to help advocate for their clients. We're not getting any of that because there is none of that to get. It's just Lamar and the Ravens front office. And none of us have any idea what's going on. But I guess if there's not a deal done in the next month, he's done talking for a while. I don't really get it, though, because I do think at this point the Ravens, don't they have the leverage at this point? I mean, if he's agreeing to play, and you're right, in March they could franchise him, which may be not what they want, but they could deal with that, then I actually would argue Lamar's value is the highest it's going to be now for what you just said because of how these contracts have gone up and up. He's a former MVP winner, so unless he wins the MVP again, I'm not sure his value is going to go up. I just feel like at this point, they're probably all right waiting because what if he gets hurt? We don't want that to happen, but then his value probably goes down and they can get him for the price they wanted originally. I mean, does it though? I guess that's the question because we have seen injured quarterbacks like the Dak Prescott's of the world still get paid. But it's different. Once you hit a certain caliber with Lamar, I mean, he does have the MVP. Who it's else different with Ravens him, though, because of the way in. he plays. I think it's different because the way he plays. I think he, I think injuries affect him from a negotiating standpoint more than they do someone like that. I mean, we'll see. You may be right. Maybe he gets hurt and they offer this, him the same thing. I kind of feel like that's not the case. But either way, it is what it is at this point. Now, all across college football, there's news. First of all, the top 25 came out. Secondly, there's a problem at Kentucky. There's a lot of... I don't know, squabbling. And we need to get to it. But we also need to take care of our lives. And that's why Candy and Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. I love to bundle. You can get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial, auto, and more. Amber's always trying to insure her motorcycle. Now she can do it at Progressive. All your protection is in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Coaches fighting each other. We'll get an opinion of somebody who understands how to fix conflict. That's next here on ESPN Radio. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. 
Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. It's Kenny Carlin here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, I'm always intrigued by people who have weird personality quirks or things that they think are, are normal that an average person would look at as a sign of insanity. And Amber Wilson, who is here with me, she has one of those. She was making the claim earlier today that pizza, everybody likes pizza. If you don't like pizza, I don't like you. But she said that she believed pizza tastes better and different, not just better, but different if you eat it with a knife and a fork. That instead of eating it how rational human beings eat it, which is with your hands, that if you eat it with a knife and a fork, that it tastes better. Explain yourself and, and, let, and let me know why I shouldn't consider having you committed. Well, we got into this conversation off air in commercial breaks because our producer Evan was eating a quesadilla and he was disturbed that he was eating it with his hands instead of with a knife and fork. And I said, I feel like a quesadilla is meant to be eaten with your hands, right? Like the very makeup of the quesadilla, I believe, lends itself to handheld food. And so then it kind of got us into a conversation about holding food in our hands. Obviously, pizza is typically a handheld food. However, I contend that it tastes better with a fork and knife. So I tend to eat mine with a fork and knife. I can't explain it. Scientifically speaking, but you it know, just, only does, children. it's just one of those things that, that is. That only children eat pizza with, a, fork with and a, knife. a knife and a fork. Like, like when I see someone eating pizza with a knife and a fork, I think they are either elderly and or they are a child. <laughs> I, I may be that. <laughs> you're, you're neither of those. Like, you know, that's what it's for. And like, you're, you're taking the view that quesadillas are supposed to be eaten with their hands, but pizza is somehow a knife and fork food. Like, that's the kind of thing that makes somebody look at you like, what's wrong with that person? Well, here's the thing. The quesadilla is a very compact food, right? Where you have tortilla, tortilla, and then the good stuff's in the middle, but the tortillas on the outside lend itself to me getting a full grip on the quesadilla. Whereas a pizza has an exposed open face of cheese and whatever else goodness you're exposing to the elements that be and so some heathens stack their pizzas on top of each other right cheese to cheese i'm not partaking in any of that nonsense that's called a calzone instead i obviate this entire issue by pouring a whole bunch of red pepper flakes on my pizza like an obscene amount matt and then firing up a knife and fork and it's a lovely delightful experience i've never met a pizza i don't like I have usually taken the view that I've never met a person I would want to hang out with who only button who buttons their top button on a polo shirt. And I'm going now to take the view that you're the only person I've met who I might want to hang out with who's under <laughs> 80 who eats pizza with a knife and a fork. I feel like that says a lot about you. I don't want it to because I find you otherwise to be very pleasant. But this is a disturbing part of your personality. If you're like me and you come from the early days of the sports internet blog world, then you know that our next guest, in my opinion, may have been the funniest writer in that era. And now he's on the SEC Network, which is crazy to me as somebody who used to read him all the time, but I'm proud of him because he is hilarious. Spencer Hall joins us. And with that introduction, since you've always written about the SEC, I got to ask you about what's happening in my neck of the woods. What do you make of the UK football coach, Mark Stoops, the UK basketball coach, John Calipari, and now the UK athletic director saying, hey, Cal, my way or the highway? What do you think of the fighting happening in Lexington? 
Oh, I think that expiration date on Cal might be up, y'all. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> you know, it's one thing to be the successful head coach at the University of Kentucky basketball program, but it is quite another to be that person and also be John Calipari. John Calipari, when the end has come in his previous stops, it's been pretty swift, and both parties have ultimately been pretty happy with it ending. And I love this. I love that Kentucky's successful football program, and we're talking, by the way, a 10-win season last year, something that previously seemed either like a rogue wave or otherwise incomprehensible, really wasn't all that surprising when you watched them on the field. True. It wasn't like you say, hey, go buy the celebratory bottles of Coca-Cola for this 10-win season. It was like, no, ah, we can probably do that again, right? And that that's so threatening to Calipari on a cellular level that he immediately went back and demanded a new facility. That's fascinating to me. Spencer Hall from the SEC Network joining us. So not to shift the conversation uh, too much away from, I guess, a basketball school, apparently. Uh, hey, to it's some an of these everything school, more tra- It's more an everything school. <laughs> to some of these more traditional football schools, Spencer. But the AP preseason top 25 was announced today. Bama's number one, O-State's number two. Georgia is still sitting here in the top three. Am I the only one who's surprised by that when Georgia lost something like 15 or 16 players to the draft? Not if you start counting the stars on that too deep of the people to replace that entire NFL defense, because even if they do fall a bit off from last year, that means they're going to be allowing 15 points a game instead of 10. That's really what we're looking at in terms of drop-off. So I think the hedge there is to say, even with the losses on the defensive side of the ball, a disappointing year for that defense would be some other team's best year. So, no, I'm not entirely surprised by it. Spencer, everybody's got the person or the coach who they just don't like and they can't totally explain why. For me, that's always been Dabo at Clemson. He's like Andy Taylor from the Andy Griffith Show, but without the likability. And I feel like the game has sort of – passing him by he's not really on the board with the nil he doesn't take transfers they were bad last year they were in the cheese it bowl i'm hoping we're moving to putting Dabo out of me having to listen to him and care about him every year are we doing that or are they going to bounce back this year well first of all i'm not going to take for any slander of the cheese it bowl I'm a fine <laughs> collegiate football contest that has produced some of our most idiosyncratic and yet charming outcomes, okay? Cal TCU forever in the Chiefs Bowl, okay? Where else are you going to get nine interceptions in a single game, all right? So I got to back you up there. I will agree with you, though. There are troubling signs in Clemson in terms of a lot of the things that they have always done and that have worked for them not working anymore. And maybe that's because they were able to paper over some of the coaching replacements. Remember, everyone off that staff has been hired off once, and then another round of coaches hired off again. It's really hard to replace those dudes consistently and not have some kind of fall off, especially when you keep promoting from within, as Dabo's done. I will. I don't like to say nice things about Dabo either because – I just find a lot of things about him to be like, you know, antithetical to my way of doing things. But I will say this, promoting from within is great. Giving people opportunities they wouldn't have otherwise is great. But a lot of those things don't seem to be working quite the way that they did before. And if you look, one last thing, um, we said that we could bank on Georgia because of the reliable like depth that they have up and down the chart and because of the quality of recruit that they have coming in. 
Clemson's recruiting football has always been a little different. They've had four- and five-star guys, but especially on the offensive line, they've done a lot of development of, like, three-star guys and and sort of bumped them up to being sort of four-star players at the collegiate level. That's not happening as much anymore. So it's not like the talent still isn't there. I just kind of worry about whether they're able to do the kind of adjusting on the fly, rebuilding of the machine as it's going that Nick Saban's managed to do at Alabama. I'm not here for slander of Cheez-Its, generally speaking. Uh, that's, that's right. A phenomenal uh, snack. I was not. I was trying to slander Dabo. Don't let. Don't let's not. Let's not <laughs> sk- skip over that. He's the one I have a problem with. So Spencer, for the listener here, uh, Notre Dame rounds out the top five: Texas A&M, Utah, Michigan, Oklahoma, and Baylor sitting behind them. That is your top ten in the AP poll. Were there any surprises here for you in this top ten? Um, it, how high up there do we have Texas A&M? Because Six. to me, banking on Texas A&M that high when they still have a three-headed monster at quarterback, which is kind of the situation that they ended up with last year. I, I don't see, I don't see not going into the season with a decided quarterback um, as being something that you could really put a whole lot of like, you know. I don't want to say money because I know we don't do that on football, but a whole lot of interest or confidence in. If I had confidence points, I wouldn't put it on the team that is still really struggling to figure out who's going to be pulling the streams. Whereas we could make a safe bet and say that a team like Clemson that struggled last year, we know who their starter is going to be. We know who they're going to be working with. A team that was great last year uh, in the form of Alabama, Ohio State, or even Georgia with the much maligned and disrespected Stetson Bennett, and I'm not going to do that because he's a good quarterback. He is disrespectful. They're all, they're all set at the signal caller position. So I think when you're talking about safe bets that you can make, Texas A&M doesn't seem to be one of them. I'm not saying they won't be good, but if you're the kind of person who has to look forward and project who's going to be in that sort of top five, top six position, Texas A&M wouldn't be an immediate pick for me. I'm not going to try to argue, Spencer, that the SEC has parity this year. Alabama and Georgia are still the best two teams. But after them, take A&M at three and then maybe go all the way to 13 at, like, Missouri or Auburn. And it feels like, to me, that gap between those schools now is the smallest that I can ever remember it. I could see three Texas A&M losing to Missouri. I could see four Kentucky losing to Auburn. Am I right about that, or do you think there are still definitive tiers? I, I think it looks a lot like, if you can imagine a wedding cake that only has two tiers, right? Up top, there's the bride and the groom. That, that to me is Alabama and Georgia. And then at the bottom, you have a very large mismatched base cake that's pretty much layered with every other SEC team. And I think that's the interesting scrum to me because a lot of these come down to fight make style, or styles make fights matchups i think it depends on when these teams face each other in the year that's always true but that's particularly true in the sec because the teams that you are going to face who could present that sort of unique week-to-week problem the teams that you don't want to that you might want to see in september but that you definitely don't want to see in november like for me mississippi state is an interesting example of that because will rogers is extremely comfortable in that offense right now and they are going to produce yards and they are capable of not scoring for a half and then doing what they did to Auburn and scoring 35 straight and winning the game. Do you want to be the one who has to face them on a short week? Do you want to face a team like that 
do you want to face Arkansas in November when you really haven't had as much time to prepare as you might have wanted to? I think that's where the SEC gets interesting to me is that the depth down the chart in terms of your matchups, that depth is really going to show up in November. It's not necessarily going to affect teams that are nigh and vulnerable like Alabama or Georgia just because of their depth charts. But like down the road, I will say this, and this will make Matt's heart sing, the team I hate to face and yet love to face is Kentucky because if we stand up if we stand up against them, they're good. There you go. I like it. This is my guy Spencer Hall, SEC Network Seam. He's always entertaining. Spencer, thank you very much. A big prediction is coming from a three-time Super Bowl champ, and it didn't sit well with Amber. She's mad. She'll tell you why next. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 